And uh, in this psalm, I just want to look at it a little interesting, a little different way to see. Uh, uh, here's kind of one of my questions. Are you taking steps to mature and to move toward Christ? Are you, are you progressing in your spiritual faith? You know, you're, you're taking the next step. You're taking a new step of uh, direction led by the Holy Spirit, or you're kind of backing up. And uh, is, your, uh, is your witness, does it impact others? Is it making a difference? Are you influencing the community you live in? Are you influencing the people you work with, people you go to school with when you're in session? And, and there's a message truth that I put right there in the worship guide for you, and it says this. God calls us to take steps toward him. But we all have the opportunity to choose to be self-absorbed and selfish. But our selfishness will hold us back from reflecting that we are a light in a dark world. And, uh, you know, that's what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means that we follow Christ, and it means that we have a light, and our light reflects the glory of God. You know, over in the Old Testament, they talk about the Shekinah glory would come and fill their lives. And, and that's what we are, is to be a mirror, to be mirror reflectors of how good God's been and what God's done. Uh, you know, it's always fun when you're around people that are really nice, that they're sweet, they're kind, they're loving, they're forgiving, they're generous, they're caring, they're compassionate. I mean, they're liberal in how they act toward outsiders. They're inviting, they're accepting. It's one of the things I love about Christ community. We've been known to have a military population over the years, and, and uh, I just want to thank you all for being that way because a lot of times churches go, I don't know about this military. You know, they come in, they're going to leave in nine months or a year. They're just going to stomp on my heart. Well, a lot of us just had our heart stomped on us and folks left. And let me just tell you, just gear up and get ready again. The church said, I'll do it. I'll be open. I tell you, I'm a lot greater because of all the military that have come through our community. And the church knows that that's right. This past week, I had a former military couple that was with us at AUM. They moved here to build this building. And they came by to, uh, to see me the other day. And it was, an, it was just fun. about Their boys, one of them's an aviator with a mission fellowship. He's going to Africa. The other one's an Apache uh, helicopter pilot down at Fort Rucker, and then the other one, he's uh, studying probably to be a worship leader, and they came right through here, and were part of our church, and it's so cool that they stay in touch, and they were asking about some of you, and, and they, they say, we want you to know, we pray for Christ community all the time, and anybody says they're going to pray for us, man, they're my friend. I want you to look there on the uh, worship guide with me. There's a message question, and here it is, what do you pray for? Now, I ask people a lot, you can imagine, because I preach on prayer, and I wrote the book on prayer, and I, I love prayer. It's kind of one of my, uh, just, uh, it, it's, it's just who I am. It's a passion of mine. But I, I ask people a lot of times, what do you pray for? And people are like, I don't know, I pray. But I just want you to think for a moment. What do you pray for? Oh, you say, well, I pray for myself. Well, I, I pray for my health. Well, that's good. I pray for my family. You're getting a little better. I pray for this. I pray for the economy. I pray I'm going to get paid. Now, I certainly understand that. Hey, I pray for this. I pray for my neighbors. And then you're going, oh, I pray for the sick. Well, that's good. I pray for the lost. That's really good. I pray for the kingdom to be extended through my life and through my local fellowship and what I'm a part of. But I just want you to think this one. What do you pray for? What is it that, that keeps you awake? You wake up. It's on your heart. It's on your mind. You're praying with other people. I mean, that'd be a great question to ask people. Hey, did you pray? But then ask them this question. What did you pray? You know, a lot of people around here, they'll get a scripture. They go, I'm praying this scripture for you. I love those kind of prayer warriors. They're very focused and they're targeted toward heaven. Others will go, hey, I'm praying this. I'm believing God that he has a future, that he has a destiny, that he has hope for your life. I'm praying for his leadership to be greater. But I just think about what do you pray for? In my quiet time right now, I want you to just turn over to 2 Samuel. 
I thought this was amazing because I'm not reading this to get text, but it was just, as I have my personal devotions and, and I do them here and then I preach on different topics because I, I don't want to get, you know, like I only, see, here's what happens. Some preachers, they only, uh, they're always reading the scriptures to get a sermon. And I went through a season of that and it's really frustrating. You're going through your Bible and you're reading and you're alliterating everything. You're like, it's not good. So I just try to say, God, I just want to hang out with you. I want to know you, God, that I can better serve you and lead your people, and then I'll study for the weekend. But God just kept directing me back here because I've been reading Samuel over the past month, First and Second Samuel. In Second Samuel, I want you to go to chapter 7, and in verse 21, he says this, For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing, and you've made it known to your servant. And I was just thinking, God, you have done so many great things in my life. You've done so many great things in the life of my friends, in the life of our fellowship. God, you are an amazing God. How great is our God? That's what that whole song, you know, it's one of the verses is about. I thought, God, your greatness, not my greatness. And then I moved down to verse 26. So that your name will be great forever. The men will say, this morning we talked about, the, we sang the song as an old one. I asked Jeff to bring it back, famous one. There is one famous one today here, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. As much as you could have all these uh, medals and you could have served our country well, we want to thank you for that, or, or you're doing this, and you're a strong Christian, man, I'm so proud of you. But there is one famous today, and he, everything else that has to bow before him, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ, it's King Jesus. He's the famous one. And I, and I was reading that, and I said, God, that's what I'm talking about this weekend. But then he goes on down to uh, verse 27. In the New Living Translation, it says it a little different in the uh, NIV, it says, so your servant has found courage to offer up this prayer to you. But in the New Living tra Translation, it says, and I am now being bold enough to pray. So I'm asking you today, what are you being bold enough to pray about? What are you trusting God to do that you know he needs to do this? Or you, you would love for him to do this. And if he did this, man, he would get so much glory and honor. And you say, God, I want to see your kingdom. I want to see your name reign. But you know what we do? We pray a lot of selfish prayers. You know, one of the prayers I've prayed for years, and it's really about his glory, but if you're not careful, it can go real about you, is Jabez's prayer. Oh, Lord, bless me. Bless me indeed. And I've prayed that for about 25 or 30 years, and I love that prayer. I want God to bless me. How many of you pray for God to bless you? Hello? And some people are like, well, I can't pray for myself. It is biblical to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for God to bless you. But if you stop there, you've really missed a lot of the gospel. And here it is in King Solomon. He's kind of the apex of his kingdom. Uh, man, he's ruling. Uh, there's great military strength in the community. They're strong spiritually. Uh, they're uh, strong economically. The people are sitting at the feet of King Solomon. He's ruling. He's reigning. He's wise. Man, things are good. But I want you to look. Let's turn to the psalm that I, wanted, I told you about today. Psalm 72, verse 1. It says, endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. Here he is in, in verse 1, Solomon jumps out of the bat and he goes, O God, he kind of prays in the third person, which is kind of odd. Like It'd be like this, if I prayed today, O God, I pray for Keith. O God, I thank you for Keith. O God, use Keith. You'd be like, man, you're hung up on yourself. And he kind of starts his prayer like it's like, oh, God, endow the king. God, bless the king. God, uh, you know, help the king. Let him do something. And then jump down to verse 15. He says, long may he live. So he wants to live a long life. He wants to enjoy fullness. May the gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. And you read a couple of these verses, you're like, King Solomon was wise, but, man, he was selfish. He was just going, give me all the gold. 
give me all the riches. Let me build the house of God. God bless me. God use me. And again, I want you to I don't want you to miss this. I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray blessings for yourself. It is so kingdom. But if that's all you do, and then you move down to verse 17. It says, but may his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. And he's still kind of this thing, hey, he wants to be remembered, but I want us to go upward. I want us to say, Lord God, I want you to be remembered. I want to remember how great you are. God, you are famous. It'd be like this. If we had a prayer meeting this week, and everybody in the room just prayed for themselves. Said, well, how can I pray? Oh, let's just pray for me to be great. Let's just pray for me to be rich. Let's just be pray that my name would be extended to the generations and I would have a legacy. I'd go, I ain't praying with you no more. That's kind of selfish, man. You're, you're self-serving. And yet, I think there's a time that we do pray for ourselves. But, I mean, how many would want to go to a prayer meeting? That's all you do is you pray for yourself. Like, well, you know, I wish he'd pray for somebody else. But King Solomon here, he's not joking. When he's praying. When you study this psalm, King Solomon, he had some reasons. Let's go back to verse 2. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. Underline the word, your afflicted ones. Your afflicted ones. And then in verse 3, the mountains will bring prosperity to his people, the hills, the fruit of the righteous. He will, and I love verse 4, he will defend the afflicted among the people. Underline, defend the afflicted. You see, he's... Solomon is not as selfish as it just seems when you first read this prayer. He wants wisdom to administer justice. He wants to be a fair king, unlike a lot of kings you read about in the Old Testament. But I have a question I want you to write in the margin. Do we bring showers of refreshment to others, or do we bring storms? Huh. Like, well, man, I hope I'm bringing a shower. Well, I hope you do too. But some people just bring a storm into your life, and you're quickly saying, well, what is it? So Solomon prays for the blessing on his reign. And in, in the outline, just fill out, there's a pattern there in verse 15 and 17. There's a pattern beginning to emerge. There's something greater than it looks maybe just on a surface level. And he's praying, God, make me rich and famous. And I think that could be okay. But there's a reason, there's a purpose that Solomon wanted to be rich. It's a reason that he wanted to have affluence in the land and I want you to fill in the next blank quickly. We need to be powerful for the poor. In verses 12 and 14, for he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. I flew to Africa last November, as you know. I went with Compassion International been all over the world a lot of mission trips a lot of events but this was one of the most profound it was just amazing and I remember the Lord speaking to me ever so clearly he says Keith I want you to be a voice for the poor I want you to care about the needy and the oppressed and the poor of this world I want you to be an advocate for the poor of this world until I call you home and I had a choice to make Oh, uh, well, yes, sir. I will. I don't know, man. The poor and the needy. Well, you know, I mean, I love the poor and the needy. That's awesome, Jesus. But you want to be an advocate? He says, yes. That's what matters to my heart. And you read all through Scripture, and you'll see Jesus is consistently calling and crying out and believing and asking us to reach those that maybe don't have some of the things we have. Maybe they're spiritually poor. Maybe they're physically poor. Uh, economically poor they're relationally poor i don't know he just says, i want you to care for them you know our church and i've bragged on you it's on the website but i just got to tell you again guys 
you sponsor 28 kids. You release kids one kid at a time during Mother's Day this year with Compassion International. There are 28 different children now have sponsorships, and they're hearing the gospel, and they're having their needs met, and God's doing amazing things because you did that, because you chose to defend the poor. All through the Psalms, all through the Scriptures, listen to right in this Proverbs 21, 13. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out, but he won't be answered. Man, I read that verse, and I'm like, I want God to hear my prayer. Do you want God to hear your prayer? Hello? It's not rhetorical. Yeah. And if you begin to believe and pray and trust and pray and give and serve, then Jesus says, I'm there. Proverbs 29, 14. If a king judges the poor with fairness, his throne will always be secure. Well, this king kingdom right here is pretty secure because he's concerned about the poor. Solomon is not as selfish as it first looks. I mean, he's, he's concerned about other people. He's, he's concerned about injustice. Um, I don't know what you think about injustice. I mean, injustice is not good. You've got Martin Luther King. You've got all these people through, through all, all the ages of history and current people, Mandela and different ones that have fought against injustices, and there'll be others that will rise up. Maybe there's somebody here today. But I wrote down this. What is injustice? It is sin, abuse of power, when a person or system takes from others what God intends for them. It begins to speak out for somebody that doesn't have a voice because they have a voice. Uh, we, we, we struggle with injustice. Here's one. Now, I don't go to the grocery stores. I've told you much. I go very little. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just a joke. I mean, why send me to the grocery store? It takes three hours. I talk to everybody there, and I hang out. And I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, so I stay away from the grocery store. But, uh, but, I, but you know, I go to a grocery store, and I go to your favorite store, Walmart. And I, God knows I hate Walmart. I know Walmart is not going to be in heaven. I mean, man, I just, Walmart, I want to take medicine when I go to Walmart sometimes. It's just, it's just crazy. People are running around, ah, you know, and all that. They're just taking over the world. But anyway, so um, my friend in Arkansas keeps preaching because all his members work for Walmart. But, um, but, but here, here's the one that gets me. You, you go to Walmart, and you get in one of those uh, speedy, quick lanes, you know, 10 items or less. You know where I'm going with this. So you, so you walk up there in the aisle, you know, and you walk down, and you get down there, and you've got six items or seven items in your basket. And you're standing there, and you're looking at the, I almost said bozo, but that would not be spiritual. You're, you're looking at the people in front of you, and they've got 16 items in theirs. You know why? Because I counted twice. There is injustice in this world. And the church said, man, I, know, I, knew, I knew that was a demonic setup. I'm not going back. You're missing. I'm just doing that for humor. The truth is there is injustice, but God's a lot more concerned about more than injustice at Walmart or your favorite store when you don't get waited on. We were on vacation a few weeks ago, and we went to this place to have dinner, and, I never, and they, they walked, and I was going to give them my name, and they said this. They go, sir, it will be two hours. And she smiled. I didn't see anything humorous about it. I turned and I looked at my bride. I said, I don't think anything's that good. She says, no. And we walked out and got in our car and left. Hallelujah. And, but you know what? To let you know it was still in my spirit, we went and had dinner, had ice cream. We even went to Walmart that night. What was wrong with us? We did all these things. We did all those things within two hours. And we rode by. I said, bye. <laughs> but, you know, kind of an injustice. But I want to say, what are the, the things that are spiritual, the things that really matter to the heart of God? One of those is the poor. 
do we just close our eyes to the injustice of this world? I'm going to give you three places here quickly. Egypt, Jordan Valley, and Jerusalem. In, in Egypt here in Exodus 3, 7 and 8, says, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out. I'm concerned about their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them. And uh, so, you know, God's always been concerned about slavery and bondage and injustices. And, and in the New Testament, there's a new Moses, and his name's Jesus. And Jesus does what Moses does, but he does it on a greater scale. Jesus liberates. Write it on your worship guide. Jesus liberates. He sets the captives free. And Christ comes to liberate you and me. And, he, and there's all this systematic injustices in our world and in different countries. And uh, oppressed people get knocked down and people get marginalized. And generational poverty and prejudice and bigotry and disease and bondages. And on and on and on. And then here comes the gospel. And when the gospel impacts you and me, it makes a difference. And so I, I was thinking here, Solomon says, God, give me money, give me riches, but I want you to hear why. I want to help the poor. I want to defend those that don't have a voice. I want to do something different. I, I'm not ready to fully launch this, but I'm going to share the concept so you can pray for me and pray for our church. Um, I'm praying about this, and then, God, how can our church make a greater difference? How can we make an impact? And I still think the greatest problem in our city, besides having Jesus Christ, is our school system. And I'm always praying about, God, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And God just kind of dropped this in my spirit. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm going to call a couple of folks this week and start some meetings. I believe we should have some reading initiatives around here. I should believe we begin, should begin to tutor some children that are not on a good reading level. You see, I think if you have the ability to, to read, you can do anything. My ultimate goal is I want people to read the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, you're struggling in school if you can't read. Now, you know, I've gone to school a lot of years, and I've read thousands of books, and I'll hopefully I'll read thousands more, but I'm grateful that I, I had some good teachers, and somebody taught me how to read. And I was just thinking about our church that, and I was talking to Hannah, she's an education major, and she's really into literacy. I mean, there's, she's big, and we have a lot of teachers in our church. But I thought about, you don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to have a graduate degree. You don't have to have an undergraduate degree. You don't have to have any kind of degree. Can you read? Do you love people? And I just got to thinking, what if God began to initiate some kind of reading initiative through our church to help little boys and girls? So you know one of the things the Lord's put in my heart? I'm seriously thinking about contacting a school this week. I'm praying about which one right now that's kind of in our community and saying, give me 15 struggling kids. Can you give me 15 struggling kids? We want to help them get on par. We want to help them get up. We want to help them believe that they can achieve anything. How many of you like that idea, church? Is that awesome? Well, that's a pro, pro, pro. Okay, there's about 20 of you. Well, praise God. All right, here's how I know if that's going to be a good idea. You're going to start calling Cheryl. You're going to start emailing me. You're going to start signing up. And I'm going to have to go to principals and go, hey, give me more kids. Anyway, just a thought. Jesus cares about the poor. We can make a difference. Jordan Valley, De Deuteronomy 24, 17. Do not deprive the foreigner, the fatherless, or the justice. Huddle up, care for the afflicted. I mean, God's just, he's, he's talking in these passages about the alien, the foreign, the widow. How do we treat the weakest member? We've got to get a heart. We've got to be filled with the love of Christ. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You go, you make a difference. The spiritually oppressed. And then, I wrote here, we're God's plan. See, God doesn't have plan B. We are God's plan. Does anybody understand that? If we don't go, if we don't tell, if we don't proclaim, nobody else does it. So God, do something great. And then Jerusalem, 
And I just realized, I looked at the clock. you got to remember, I preached to 11.15, but I remember this short service is shortened. And I'm out of time. Jeff told me, he says, you'll never get through on time. I said, but I will. But I didn't. Here we go. Blessed to be a blessing. Let me just give you that thought. You're blessed for one reason. You're blessed to bless your king, your heavenly father. If you've been blessed, be a blessing to others. In 1 Kings 11, 3 and 4, it says this. He had 700 wives, a royal birth, and 300 concubines, and the wives led him astray. Now, let me tell you, if you've got 1,000 women, you could be led astray. But let me move on before I just got in trouble. If, don't get mad, women. If you had 1,000 men, man, you'd be in a ditch. Okay, here we go. So the, the women are going, I knew I liked him. He's going to give us equal time. Okay. Just go to Walmart. You'll be back in injustice. Okay, verse 4. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord as God, as the heart of David his father had been. This wise man that had a noble purpose got led astray, and he turned his heart from God. I'm just saying, God, turn our hearts toward you. We're blessed to be a blessing. In the last blank, promote the famous one of heaven. Just promote him. Proclaim him. Admonish him. Honor him. Exalt him. Uh, don't ignore him. And don't ignore the poor and the needy. Man, I've got a lot more to say, but I'm going I'm to really be honest this morning. I'm, Jeff's going to come back with his band, and they're going to lead us in this great closure called uh, Famous One. And then, just like I promised you, we're going to have a picnic for real. I know some of you are like, I did not believe that. That preacher really is going to hold to his word. I am. It's 1101, but who's counting? Okay, here we go. Bow your heads. Father, I just thank you for your amazing grace this morning. And Lord, I'm so grateful that you love each of us and that you call us by name and that you're concerned about the oppressed and the poor and the afflicted and the fatherless and the widow. And God, I pray that our church would stand in the gap. And God, I pray that this would be more than a spiritual metaphor today that we would go on to say, God, give me influence that I can touch my city, my community. Help us to join you where you are, Jesus. Help us to be a light. And Jesus, I pray that we would elevate our community to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord of the city. Hey, stand to your feet, and we're going to sing Famous One, by the chorus, and then we're going to have like a big time outside. 